Blessings and greetings to each one that's here this morning. Special privilege we have to share in a communion service. Turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 5. I think most of you were aware of that. Don't know if you did any looking ahead into this chapter, but we're going to look at what's given here in Revelation chapter 5. Skipped over this one as we were going through in our study in Revelation. And we'll understand why, I think, as we go down through it. Um, a little bit of a background in case uh, you're not quite sure where this chapter is coming from. We had the, you know, the messages to the churches, and then in chapter 4 we had a glimpse of where God is sitting on his throne and what all is involved with that. We have the, um, the four beasts or the living creatures. We have the 24 elders that are um, present there and giving glory and honor and power to the one that's on the throne. So as we begin in chapter 5, that is still the setting of um, the one sitting on the throne with these other uh, creatures, um, elders, worshiping him. And so we're going to read chapter 5, follow along, and we'll see what we can learn from it. Revelation chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel pro proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials, full of odors which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the sea and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. We're just going to go down through the verses and try to understand a little bit some of the mysteries that are here in this chapter. Um, It's not quite as complicated as some of the other ones in Revelation, but there's still some unknowns as we will find out. So the setting here, look at verse 1. There is a book held in the right hand of the one that sits on the throne. It is written on the backside as well as on the front. It says written within and on the backside. Sealed with seven seals. And we remember, if you remember, um, in chapter 6 and 7 there was the opening of these seals. But it's basically... Uh, When it says a book, that could also be uh, a scroll. And as they were sealed, they would take wax and they would seal that up so that nobody, so you could tell that nobody had had seen it or had looked in it. And this was written on the front and the back, and it was sealed with seven seals. And in verse 2, it says, A strong angel. And I remember reading uh, other times the Revelation talks about a strong angel, and that's that's definitely one that has more might and power than a regular angel. It um, even at times some of the commentaries would say it could be Jesus himself, but here I don't think so. It says I saw a strong angel pro- proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof?" Apparently, there's some importance there. Because in verse 3 it says, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. So we will just wait till a little bit later. I'll just keep going down through here. But I asked a few people, I said, What do you think this book represents here that's in this chapter? And we will look at that a little bit later. Verse 4. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. John wept, and the NIV, I think it says, he wept and wept. And here it says, and I wept much. And this was more than just a few tears that may have came from his eyes. This was a deeper emotional just a burden there, where the, where you're weeping and you're, you're crying comes from something inside of you. And John says here, or he wrote, he says, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And it's hard for us to understand that setting, what he might have saw. But that's what's given, that no one could do anything. They, they couldn't take the book. They couldn't look on it. This book, this scroll that was held in the right hand of the one on the throne. 
Verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So, one of the elders, if you remember, I take that as one of the 24 elders that were gathered around the throne. One of them came and said, you know, you can stop. You can, uh, you don't have to weep. There is one that will be able to, uh, to take the book, as we find out later. It says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, there is um, some things I didn't do a whole lot of studying, but <clears throat> if I remember quickly, in the blessing that was given to um, the tribe of Judah there, I guess, it talked about um, uh, him being like a lion. And so there's some, there's some um, things given back in the Old Testament where this lion of the tribe of Judah comes from. And also the root of David. That's one we're more familiar with where... Um, Jesus Christ came from the, the lineage, you know, the, um, through the ancestry there up through to um, where it came, Jesus was, you know, come from, and it's, it's from the root of David. But the interesting thing is that when you followed the, um, you know, the rites of the firstborn and the lineage down through as kings, that was the next one that had the right to be on the throne. And we know the Trinity, you know, God, Father, the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus all being one. But this gives uh, rights for Jesus to be um, on the throne. And that's what I think is, is stated here in, in describing who this, who this person was. And it says, hath prevailed. And the word prevailed is, is simply triumphed. They, they conquered it. They... they um, they were able to obtain this almost a victory or a, an accomplishment. It says, um, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And in verse 6, it describes a little bit how this came about. It says, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. It's just to continue to, it builds this, this picture that John's seeing. You know, they had the, um, and maybe he didn't see it before, but the, the four uh, living creatures, the four beasts, and then the 24 elders around the throne. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he sees this lamb. It's standing, it says, stood a lamb as it had been slain. And it has... Seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. We had looked at those somewhat. A horn is a sign of power and strength in the Old Testament. In a lot of commentaries, um, they take the seven eyes uh, of God being able just to see. His, his uh, can't think of the word right now. Um, omniscience and omnipresence I thought there's one about seeing anyway that God sees everything and so that is the uh, indication given here with um, seven being the perfect number it says which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth there's some unknowns in what all that may be 
But John saw a lamb, and it says, stood in the midst there, a lamb as it had been slain. It had the marks of being dead, but yet it was alive there in the presence. And this lamb, and if we go to verse 7, says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. A transaction uh, uh, there, a uh, you know, transition from, from God the Father, God the Son, as we take it, the lamb. And it says in verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Now it's in, interesting there. Um, we have a, a little bit of music coming through in this verse. of John didn't describe it before, but he says, Everyone having every one of them harps. Now this, they say it wasn't a, one of these big, if you know what a harp looks like, they're about, you know, six foot high and they have all the strings in there. They're a big instrument. This, this isn't necessarily uh, saying like that type of a harp. It, a stringed instrument, but definitely one that's smaller that each of them could have, um, you know, to accommodate um, each of them to have. And then the golden vials full of odors. That's your incense that we have studied about and, heard, and read other places of which are the prayers of the saints, is that, as that smell that says the odor here in, in um, the King James, but that, that sweet smell of incense being uh, brought up before, and we know that to be as well the prayers of the saints. I have down in, uh, I guess it's in the next verse here, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. This is a song that is sung by the ones around. This doesn't come from the, the one on the throne. It doesn't come from the, uh, the lamb. This comes from a recognition of all these other ones around that says, Something took place there. They saw the lamb being able to take this. And it says, and they sung a new song. And, he, and what they said here about, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open it. Because the lamb was slain and redeemed and slamed, sorry. Because the lamb was slain and redeemed or purchased mankind with his blood, he is now worthy to take the book and to loosen the seals. And the rest of the chapter down through here gives recognition of the worth and the credentials of, of what happened with the taking of the book and opening it. Verse 10 would say, does say, And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I don't fully understand that verse and it's given in Revelation chapter 1 in verse 6 so chapter 1 verse 6 says and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father and then we have it again here in chapter 5 
in verse 10, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. All I know is that we have been, as a born-again Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, accepting what he has happened, we can reign here on the earth as part of God's kingdom. And it's, in my mind, I include that with how we can live a victorious Christian life. Part of the priests and kings, how that factors in there a little bit, but that in each of our own lives we can be promised um, this relationship with God and in a um, able to live a, a pure uh, life that's holy to God here on earth. Verse 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. If you like to use your calculator, you can take ten thousand times ten thousand. I had to do that just to see what the number was, and then I realized, well, what's it matter what that number is? It also says, and thousands of thousands and I know if you take a thousand thousand you have a million but this has an S on each thousands of thousands and it's just to represent a vast a huge number of angels it says he heard the voice of many angels round about the throne that and and, and I think I, I take it here to be round about the beasts and the elders. So you got the throne, you have the living creatures, and you have the elders. But then round about all of that is this innumerable number of angels. And if you're music-minded at all, the greater the chorus, the better it sounds. The, the, it's just, there's just more of it. And it, you know, I have uh, remember being little, we, uh, my parents sang, and of course there's a hundred-some. And, you know, they give a program midway. I don't know if any of you had ever been there, but there's a large number of people, if you want to say, up front, singing together, a director, and just the, um, can't really, a word doesn't quite come to me, how that sounds when you have so many people singing just the same thing. And here we have all these angels doing that. And in verse 12 it says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Now there's one debate that comes up. I just talked about singing. And I don't study it or look too far, but a few places that I read, they, they would say that the angels can't sing. I don't know where they get that, but it specifically says here in verse 12, saying with a loud voice. Um, if you back up to verse 9, it says, and they sung a new song. That was just the living creatures in the 24 elders. So you get a little picky there about it, but. I don't know God's intent with angels, but anyway, they were saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. There's seven things listed there. I don't know the importance of that, but there is. If you count power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing, you have seven. Verse 13. 
Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the sea and such as are in the sea. Do I keep saying sea instead of earth? And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. Heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. I think this includes, every creature includes us. Now if we look at, you know, back up to Revelation and events and timing and things, how this goes, I don't know if you want to say if this is the current earth or if it's the current heaven and earth or if it's a new heaven and earth. I, I don't know, but it does say... Every creature which is in heaven and on earth, and like I read there, and such as are in them, are in the sea, and, and all that are in them. It keeps giving words to say everything. There, there's nothing missing. And all of these are saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. There's an eternity aspect there that I don't think we have right now, and so this could be some future things coming up yet. But verse 14 says, And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. I want to make you aware that if there's ever a time to worship the Lord, it's at a communion service. And this chapter is more about worshiping than it is about Jesus shedding his blood for us. But I want to back up now since we got at least somewhat of an understanding of all the verses and what's taking place. Let's back up and look at what this scroll or what this book represents. at least some ideas. And no one is necessarily sure. The only thing that we can tell is is that what it took to take the book and to open it. That's probably the best in your mind definition of what the book is. Some of the commentaries and I have a few of them down here that they would say as, um, and this would be uh, JFB, Jameson Fawcett Brown, gave the idea of a title deed or ownership and inheritance. Um, the other book I've been reading says, uh, and a few places otherwise, uh, that it's just referring to maybe the old covenant and the new covenant written on as given it's written on both sides or uh, you know before Jesus come and after or um, what I think is in my mind keeps getting uh, to get a hold of is the one commentary said the full purpose of God in creating and redeeming man. The whole, it puts a lot of things in, in, to, in that, but 
it's God created man, and then he had to redeem him. He had to purchase him. Because we go now to the question of that was stated there in verse um, 2. The angel said, Who is worthy to open the book and to loosen the seals there? Once we see who was able to open it and what what his worth was, then we get an idea too of you know what the what the book means. So an understanding what is needed to take the scroll and open it gives us an idea as to what it is. So worth means the weight of one's deeds or works. And I kind of combine that from a few um, different things that we can read of. Um, a phrase real quick you might have heard of is meat for the master's use. And I never knew what that word always was. You know, it's, it's meat for the master's use. Or a song or scripture, either way, I'm not sure. But it, it's basically meaning worth. Your, your worth, uh, you know, for the master's use. Um, and so I will give you verses to help us understand why the Lamb was worthy to take the book. And so I have a few of them written down here. We don't have to turn to them. 1 John 1.29 The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. First Peter 1.18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers. Verse 19 But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 2.17 Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Hebrews 5.9 And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation, unto all them that obey him. And Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. So in your mind, what took place when the Lamb came and took that book? You ever see one of those little um, diagrams where like, you got an... I work with parts. It's just the way it is. But you got the parts breakdown. It shows you all the pieces. And then there's one place where it's 
so many parts listed you can't see what it is and they have this little uh, blow up of it and it's just, this little line goes out and then it's a bigger circle and it and it shows you all the you know what's contained in there I had to think of that because of one little uh, incident where the lamb took the book uh, what all was with that there there was there was so much um, and also reading in uh, some of the resources, at least the one book for sure, would, would say this was a, a reenactment in heaven. And I don't know for sure, but I think you could take it that way, that what John saw was a replay of what really happened when the need was there to, for us to be redeemed to God. And the emotions that John saw with the fact that nobody could take this book, I'm not sure how you quite understand that, but my mind had to be opened a little bit more to some of the possibilities if nobody would have been worthy to take that book. And in my mind, this is not scripture, but in my mind, I see my name written in that book. And if the Lamb wouldn't have been worthy to take that book, I would have been doomed to hell for eternity. And the wonderful thing about that is we don't have to be in that place. The... Um, Emotion that goes with that is sometimes lax. We don't really understand what was taking place there. I was also thinking of the fact that, and maybe this explains a little bit better, each of us had to die for our own sins. And I don't quite know how it would be, but if we all had to pay our own price, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense and doesn't seem right. Like we're lost for eternity. There there's no way to come to Christ. There's no way to be uh, to be able to come to God the Father. And when you think about if you take God and Jesus Christ and just separate them a little bit, God created mankind, and it would have been a failure for God if all His created people had to die for their own sins, and that was the end of it. So rather than having all of mankind die, Jesus Christ gives His blood, perfect sacrifice, and brings life to all of mankind at their will, at their choosing. It's a little bit of a side note, but that's the importance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ 
that the sacrifice of one man saves all of humanity at their choosing. Now I'm going to uh, just back to this that John was weeping that nobody could take this book and open it. I had in my notes and I took it out. I it didn't know really how to fit, but I'm just going to give it to you. Some of you like you know different ideas and angles of things. Um, I remember dreaming one time that we were in the middle of New York City. And you know how dreams are. They kind of just like flash kind of in front of you and you can't necessarily always know what they mean. But And it wasn't like it was crowded with people, but we just knew we were in this big place with all these people around, you know, and very uh, dense, you know, like, just many buildings, many people, and we went somewhere, came back, and just the, uh, I don't know if you'd say like a room where we were staying that night or what, and one of our children was missing. And it was this hopeless feeling, I'll probably never see him again. It's impossible to go out there and try to find someone in the middle of New York City, especially a child. And I remember this in my foggy dream that I was having, this emotion came over you, that that child is lost. And I also had to think of the events that happen nowadays. When you get an amber alert on your phone, and a child has been taken and they are trying to relocate that child. And if somebody was to come take one 100 mile an hour down the road never to be seen again what would be the emotions that go through you? There's always a hope, but it's all, it's, it's like, it's so thin, it's almost no hope. That, to me, was the way John might have felt. Now, the problem is, is that this was John weeping. God wasn't weeping for his, he knew what was going to happen. He, he knew this, but John was the one experiencing this emotional grief and lost this hopelessness and so I rejoice this morning in what God has done Hebrews 9 12 there neither by blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us and that I think I missed it, but let me back up. Okay, verse verse 7. I, I, I give this to you as something to research and think about. Maybe this is why it came the way it did. Verse 7, it's very simple. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him 
that sat upon the throne. The Lamb came and took the book. Now I'm going to jump ahead to Revelation uh, chapter 21, verse 27. I'm just going to read it for you. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. You can get the idea setting here. Nothing like this is going to be allowed to uh, enter into heaven. But the last part of that verse says, But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I always thought about it that it's just God's book of life. When this says that the Lamb took the book, I think He has the power and the authority to let your name be in there or to take it out. And this morning, I have the blessed hope and promises on Scripture that this Lamb has my name in the book of life. And we can rejoice and be thankful for that. I don't have much more in this chapter. The only thing that I want to do, back to my diagram of, if you want to say the exploded view or the bigger view of this taking this book, I want you to think about the lamb taking the book as we read. I, in, in conclusion, I want to read Mark 15. It's verses 1 to 39. And just, I don't really have much in comments, but it lays it out and gives to us what all took place, at least part of it anyway, there might be more to it, of what happened when the Lamb was found worthy to come and take the book. Mark chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 39. I'm going to try to read it fairly quickly if I can for sake of time it's a number of verses but think about what's taking place here with in mind what John saw in heaven Mark chapter 15 and straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that... He should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, 
What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, and put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon of Cyrenian, who, passing, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is, being interpreted, the place of a skull. And they gave him a drink mine, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them that every man should take, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of the accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, He was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, Save thyself, and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ be the king of Israel. Descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias as Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Now, in my mind, I can just see the Lamb being worthy because of his deeds, his actions that we read. To be able to come and take the book that represents all of us as humanity. 
And as we observe communion, I was reading some in uh, Daniel Kaufman's book. Communion is an ordinance. It's a religious ceremony with a heavenward meaning. And the three uh, meanings of communion given by uh, Daniel Kaufman is it's a memorial of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. It's also typical of the common union of saints, something we do together, fellowship as believers. And then thirdly, it's a memorial pointing to both the death, but also the second coming of Christ. And I have down 1 Corinthians 11.26, and Louis might reference that, I'm not sure. So in conclusion, let's rejoice in the worthiness of the Lamb that was able to take the book and intervene on behalf of sinful mankind to provide a means of redeeming us that we can come before a holy God in confidence and purity and thankfulness for what he has done for us. To him be honor and glory, for he is worthy.